0: Let's pray. Father, I ask for a, a dethroning of pride in our lives, the lives of your people. This text is so manifestly about humility and servanthood and going low. So grant that I would be humbled and we as a church would be a humble church, a servant church, a happy, glad-hearted, going low church, and a, a church knowing how to be cleansed daily and once for all. And Father, I pray that you would make this text clear, that the Word of God would be made mighty in the minds and in the hearts of everyone in the hearing of my voice. There are a thousand things that need to be done in our souls, our minds, our bodies, our families, our work that only you can do. So do more than we can imagine to ask right now through your all-relevant work and word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to tackle this text at two levels. I think there's a clear, upfront, what you see on the first reading, meaning that is prominent and intended to be powerful in our lives. That's one level. And then we'll go back and we'll ask, is there another level here? Is there something else going on besides what you get the first time through? So that's the way we're going to go about it. I think the first time through, everybody should be able to say, yes, that's just right there on the surface and clear and applicable to my life. So verse 1 is a banner flying over the ministry of Jesus past and future. There isn't much left, about a day. Three years gone by, it's Thursday, going to die tomorrow morning. And this verse is flying between those, telling us what's that been about and what's this going to be about. So let's read verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, so here's the the glimpse backward. Having loved his own who were in the world, and here's the glimpse forward. He loved them to the end. So, John waves this flag, this banner, right here at the end of the public ministry and the beginning of these last hours to say, what's this been about? I've been loving my own, and I'm going to love them to the end. This is, a, this is the peculiar, saving Awakening, begetting, guiding, protecting, covenant love for his own. This is not a denial of a love for the world. John 3.16 is still in the book. This is not what he says. I've been loving my own, and I mean to love my own to the end, just like a husband has a wife, and he's not against other women. Jesus loves his own bride. So, there it is, waving, and the implication it should have for the rest of this sermon is that if that's what he's been doing in those three years, and that's what he's going to do to the very end, he's doing it in these 20 verses. And if you're his own, hear him loving you in these 20 verses. That would be my immediate application of the first verse. If he's doing it to the end, this is starting now, and these 20 verses in these next 40, 45 minutes of my talking are are his loving his own. You could become his own if you're not, by believing on him while I talk. If you're already his own, like Kenny prayed, And maybe someone prayed at the other services. God, help us to feel that it's not just us you love, but me that you love, Galatians 2.20. What is going on in these 20 verses? I'll tell you what I think is going on up front, first level. I think Jesus is giving us an acted out, lesson and example of the kind of person we should be if we are going to be His representatives in the world. Now, where do I get that? I get it by starting at the end and working backward. Go with me to verse 20. Truly, truly, so when you get that double serious True, true, amen, amen, yes, yes. You know something significant, weighty, summary-like is being said. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. That's amazing. So I'm going to send in just a few hours, I'm going to be done. He'll be saying later, as the Father has sent me, so send I you, chapter 20. But now, just a few hours, this is coming true. And I'm going to send you with my name, and I'm going to send you in my authority, and I'm going to send you with my word, and you will represent me, and I'll be in heaven the rest of this history until I come again. And if they receive you, being sent as in, in my name, in my authority, with my word, when they receive you, welcome you, they receive me. To as many as received him, gave he power to become the children of God. That's an awesome thing. To receive a representative of Jesus is to be saved. It is to be a child of God, to welcome one who bears the name of God, embodies the truth of God, speaks on the authority of God, and you say, yes to you, yes to your word, yes to your name, I welcome you, means I welcome your Lord Jesus. Not everybody's fit to do that. That's what this text is about. What kind of person is fit to do that? That's what this is about. That's why it ends where it ends on verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. Whoever receives me receives God Almighty. These are staggering words. Only a lunatic talks like this. Or the Lord of glory. So what kind of person ought these 12, it's still 12, ought these 12 to be, to carry this out? And the answer on the first level is crystal clear. There's no debate about what's first order preparation for being this kind of person, and the answer is, The kind of person who goes low in humble service. The kind of person who is not puffed up by the rank of representing Jesus. Wanting everybody to know, and lording it over others, and feeding off of their commendations and praises and compliments. That person is not qualified to represent Jesus. They go low in humble service. So I would would generalize the point like this. Christians of high standing, and I'm going to come back and argue that's all of us, (laughs) but especially those who have some office or role, like a father, or an elder, or a pastor, or any kind of leader, but all Christians, Christians of high standing should give themselves gladly to low serving. Christians of high standing should give themselves gladly, I'll come back to that, to low serving. I think that's the point of the text. If God has called you to something high, which he has, go low. And we will see shortly that that's all of his children. Let's watch Jesus make this point now in an acted out lesson. Verses 2 and 3, John describes how high Jesus is because he's going to go low, but to feel the wonder of the low going and to model it in your ranking life, you need to see how high he was. During supper, verse 2, during supper when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing, very conscious, that the Father had given all things into his hands. (laughs) What a magisterial Christ we have. And he knew it. He knew it. If anybody deserved to be served, this is the man. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So, there it is. There's the description of the highness of Jesus. All things in his hands from God going to God, opposed by the God of this world as strongly as he can oppose anybody. His rank is supremely high. That's the point of those two verses. Now, verse 4. Here's how low he goes. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. He didn't have to do that. Nothing's more humbling than to be seen in your less than best clothes. This would be among those. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. This is the work of a slave. Then he poured water into a basin, didn't have anybody else do it, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now drop with me to verse 12, and let's just get his explanation of this right away. We don't have to wonder, what's going on? What's he trying to say? What's he doing? He tells us right out in verse 12 following, "When he had washed their feet and put his outer garments and, uh, and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, "Do you understand what I have done to you?" You call me, in other words, you recognize some height, not all of it, but you recognize some, teacher and Lord, and you are right. That's who I am. I am very high, and I'm over you, that's for sure. For so I am. Verse 14, if then your Lord and your teacher, I, if I then, as your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, From my high standing, I've gone so low, then you ought to wash one another's feet. You go low. For I have given you an example. There's clear what he's saying he's doing. I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And watch these next words because they relate to verse 20. Nor is a messenger... Greater than the one who sent him. That's where we're going. I'm going to send you shortly. So watch my sentness and how it functions from the Father. Because I'm going to send you out to represent me like I represent the Father. So I think this is really clear. I think what he's doing here is really clear. Jesus is high, his rank is high, his standing is high, and therefore by ordinary worldly standards he should be served. And He contradicts ordinary worldly standards and we should also, the Christian life should be a life of antithesis often, contradiction often. You shouldn't go with the flow. You should walk to the beat of different drummer many times. This is one of them. So he doesn't say, "Now serve me because I'm clearly high and you're low." He serves. He goes low from his height. He starts slowly serving. Verse 15, I've given you an example that you should Do just as I have done to you. Now since you're not above me, says this in verse 16, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Therefore, you have no ground to say my action is irrelevant for you. (laughs) Like you're above me, so yes, I should go low, but you shouldn't because you're above me. No, no, I'm above you, and if I went lower than you, you should go low too. He's reasoning with them here. And removing any possible exception now remember what he's doing is describing or showing a kind of person who's qualified or suitable to be sent as his representative verse 20 truly truly I say to you whoever receives the one I send receives me and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me so I'm going away you are becoming my representatives. You're going to go out with my words. You're going to go out with my salvation. You're going to go out with my presence because the Spirit will be with you. And if they receive you, they're going to receive me. And what I want to make most clear, he is saying, is your fitness for this role is that you be the kind of people who gladly go low against the worldly expectations of your rank and your status and your standing. You step down from the privileges of your high standing and you engage in lowly serving or to be a little more penetrating, maybe, and, and comprehensive, let your whole life be the mindset of servant. So I think God, if he were to come and stand here and take an account of me, he would assess whether I am serving you right now. And that would be measured objectively as to whether you're getting help, but also subjectively about my heart, which you can't see right now. You don't know whether I'm feeding off your presence and praise and thus lording it over you and using you to stoke my ego by this sermon or whether I have by some measure of grace been able to crucify that and actually delight in serving. Wanting, yearning, authentically longing that I be of use to you here. So I think, that's what he, I think that's what he would just do for every one of you in everything you do. Absolutely everything. Are you a servant? E- even if you're a supervisor at work, an owner, a manager. He would, he would ask, is, is, has this text sunk deep enough into you? So that your mindset in the use of your place at work, the use of your role at home, is a servant use. It's getting under people to lift them up, not over people to feed off of their approval and your lordliness. A servant goes under to lift. Even if he's a supervisor, he goes under to lift. He's always thinking, how can I get under and help and lift and strengthen and be of use and blessing to people? So, he wanted to make it crystal clear what kind of people would represent him. So, yes, disciples, yes, 12, you have a high calling. I mean, verse 20 doesn't get higher. I just don't think it gets higher in the universe than verse 20. But no, you're not qualified for it. If you need to hold on to those honors, hold on to those prerogatives of rank, use people and yourself up with that standing as a representative of the king of glory no the qualified people are the lowly the humble the servant-like the self-denying now that's clear that's the main point what is he doing in verses 18 and 19 Jesus feels the need to say something about Judas if he's about to send out the 12 as his representatives, we have a problem because Judas is not worthy. He's not fit. He's not servant-like. He's selfish. He's greedy. He uses people. He will use Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He is not worthy he needs to be dealt with some word needs to be said you're going to send these you're going to send these people out he's there at the table so verse 18 i am not speaking of all of you that must have landed with amazing quietness i know whom i have chosen well you chose judas he's not talking about that kind of chosen but the scripture will be fulfilled. There's a script for this night written 700 years ago. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. So one is sitting at my table. He's going to betray me. He's going to lift his heel against me. That hasn't happened yet. It's got to happen. It's in the Bible. God ordained it. I am telling you this now before it takes place that when it does take place you may believe that I am he. The he isn't there. But it's an okay translation. So we'll come back to that in a minute. No. Judas does not contradict the point of the text that he's going to send out people who are fit and qualified with lowliness and and brokenness, and who are learning the lessons. You're not very good at it yet, but they're learning the lessons of, of humility and lowliness and not putting themselves first. Scripture must be fulfilled though. There must be a betrayer, one who sits at the table, shares the bread, and raises his heel. God designed it in eternity. He prophesied it in the Old Testament. Jesus knew it when he chose Judas. You believe that? He knew this would happen when he chose Judas. I'll, I'll read it to you in case you don't believe it. This is John 6:64. 6, Jesus knew from the beginning who it was who would betray him. He laid eyes, he stayed up all night to pray about this choice. And I wonder if the last 6 hours of that wasn't Judas. Really, Lord? One of these that I choose is to be of that sort, not chosen. I'm to choose a not chosen one. The point of verses 18 and 19 is not just that Judas is no slip-up. He will be dismissed in due time. He's not a slip-up in the plan. He's part of the plan. That's that's part of the point. The rest of the point is Jesus choosing him, using him to bless, and then knowing, knowing his sinful acts means Jesus is divine. Now, I say that because… He says, I am telling you this, this is verse 19, I am telling you this now, namely that Judas is going to betray him, I am, I am aware before it happens of sinful actions of people acting as moral and responsible agents, and my knowledge is infallible and cannot ever prove false, I am telling you now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am. And I think whether you translate it I am or I am he, well, who is he talking about? The I am is from Exodus 3.14, Moses says, who shall I tell them sent me? And God says, tell them, I am sent you. I am who I am. Yahweh is built off the verb. I am the name of God. Jesus is saying here, my dealing with Judas, the way I deal with him and my knowing of what's coming down to the silver coins is divine. I am, which means that the function of these two verses is to say when he went low he was coming way down this is philippians 2 right let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus who did not count equality with what god to be grasped but emptied himself becoming a servant a slave Paul builds out of here that theology. Jesus is claiming to be God, and he came all the way down to slave status right here at this. So who is fit to be the representative of Jesus in the world, not Judas, those who gladly From the heart, gladly go low in service. Longing to see others blessed, not using others like Judas did. So I said the word gladly. You'd expect that? Is that in the text? The kind of people who are qualified to... Be the representatives of Jesus are not just those who begrudgingly go low. Oh, how many of us have done that? You know, the wife asks that we do something that we don't ordinarily have responsibility of doing, and there rises up, that isn't my job. That's not gladly going low. That's begrudgingly going low. That's not qualified. You don't represent Jesus when you do that. So where am I getting this word gladly? In the text. And the answer is verse 17. If you know these things, Jesus says to them, blessed makarios, blessed are you if you do them. We know that word blessed, blessed are the meek, the poor in heart. We know that word, happy, joyful, satisfied, gratified, contented, blessed. He's so blessed if you get on low and do these things. So what's he saying? He's saying the world is wrong. The world and your own worldly nature, apart from new birth, thinks happiness comes from being served. Nobody has to be persuaded of that. It feels good to stay on the couch. But joy doesn't come that way. Just brief, fleeting, physical comforts come that way. You don't sleep better for having sat on the couch all night while she serves you like a slave. Or a hundred other applications from work and church. The world believes, feels deeply, we all do in our fleshly nature, it is pleasant to be served. Really pleasant. It's not blessed. It's not joyful. It's not deeply sweet. It's not awesomely satisfying. It's not wonderfully gratifying. No, it's not. Oh, what a gift he's giving us here. And are you with me in thinking? I mean, I I never thought this before my preparation for this, that Jesus is quoted only in one or two places outside the Gospels. You remember one of them? Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where Paul is talking to the elders, the church of Ephesus, and telling them to work hard to bless the poor. For the Lord Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And everybody wonders, where did he say that? If I had to vote, verse 17, John 13 the point whether he said it in those very words or not so yes I am saying that the point of this chapter so far one through twenty is to be suitable to be fit to represent Jesus in the world so that when people receive you they receive him you must be the kind of person who gladly goes low in the service of others that's what I'm saying because that's what the text is saying. So there's level one, and I think it's really clear. Now there's another level, I think, that's less clear. So level one is this just sense of, I'm summoning all my representatives in the world, all my followers, all my father's children, that insofar as they bear any role in representing me at all, they'd be this kind of human being. Namely, they gladly go down low, get under people and lift them up rather than lording it over people and getting the strokes that some power trip brings. Now, you will probably have noticed what verses I have skipped. All right? Which ones haven't I read yet? Namely, Verses 6 through 11, these are the verses where Peter says, no way are you going to wash my feet. And Jesus has to deal with this problem character. His lesson is being wrecked here, or is it? What happens? When Jesus, I mean Peter, says, "No, can't wash my feet." So let's read it. Verse six, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "Lord, do you wash my feet?" And Jesus answered him, "What I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand." Peter said to him, "You will never wash my feet." And Jesus answered him. If I do not wash you, you have no share in me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Way to go, Peter. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed hmm, doesn't need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who it was who would betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. (laughs) This is just staggering stuff. Okay, Peter says, you will never wash my feet. Now, Jesus could have simply said here, look, Peter, you're wrecking the illustration. Just shut your mouth, sit down, let me wash your feet. I'm making a point. Don't ruin the illustration. And I think Peter would have done it. And that's what he probably would have said if point one namely the last 34 minutes of this message, if point one was was the only point of this story. That's probably what he would have said. Just sit down, let me wash your feet. I'm making a point. And he blows me away by saying, verse 8, if I don't wash you, you have no sharing. You're a Judas. You're in the class with Judas if you won't let me wash your feet. Now I, I pause and I say, Jesus, it's just a foot washing. You, why are you elevating this to, well, this must be. Why do you talk like this? This is scary not belong to you, not have any share in you. I mean just just deal with it. It's just why do you go there? So you can see how I wrestle. And Peter, of course, in response to that, you have no share in me if I don't wash these feet, he says in verse 9, well, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head to which, this gets even more important, got to clarify now what's going on, verse 10, Jesus says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash. So, stop telling me to wash your head. Stop telling me to wash your head. Stop telling me to give you a bath. You've got a bath. You bathe. You bath. You're mine. You're clean. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 10 the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. So, why does his feet need to be washed? And you, this is plural you now. can't see that in English. It is, but it includes Peter. You are clean, but not every one of you. Now we know clean is really big. All right? Clean is those who are not like Judas. We got 11 clean guys and one dirty guy. We got 11 elect and one non-elect. We got 11 born again children of God sons of light, and one son of perdition. That's what he's saying in verse 10 at the end. You are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. So, so clearly, he's not talking mere foot washing and mere... Uh, <laughs> illustration of humility anymore this is salvation and damnation if you don't let me wash your feet you're not mine, you're with Judas so don't be like that, you're already clean, let me wash your feet you're totally clean let me wash your feet if you don't let me wash your feet you're not clean Judas is not clean. The eleven are clean. They have bathed. They're born again. They believed in Jesus. They have eternal life. They've passed from death to life. They've become sons of light, children of God. They are his sheep. Nobody can pluck them out of his hand. They cannot be lost, including Peter. Only Judas is excluded. Verse 10, Peter is clean He's saved, he's justified, to use Paul's language. So what did Jesus mean at the end of verse eight, or near the end, if, you don't, if, if, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me, when the issue is his feet? Here's my explanation. When a person believes in Jesus, he is completely clean, and I mean completely clean. As he stands before God, he's clean. When you put your faith in Jesus, you were, you were washed by the blood of the lamb. Just read that in Revelation today. They washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. Now that's weird, red blood makes white robes. It's not weird, it's glorious. We need hearts that are pure. We need hearts that are clean to stand before a holy God and we have them in Jesus. Peter is wholly clean. Holy, completely clean. The repeated necessity for washing feet represents our daily confession of sin and turning to Jesus for ongoing applications of what he accomplished on the cross for us. This sounds familiar from any other part of the Bible? You say you have no sin, you lie and do not do the truth, but if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will wash your feet That's the parallel I see. He will will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Who's he talking to? People who are walking in the light. That's 1 John 1, 9. 1 verse 5, they're walking in the light. These These are the elect. These are the precious children of God who need to daily confess sin because they're totally clean. If that sounds weird to you, You don't know the heart of Christianity. You don't know what it means to be justified, finally, perfectly, accepted, loved, 100% okay with God and needing to confess daily sin. I think that's what Jesus is doing with Peter here. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this, this is a picture of Peter's mistake. What he failed to realize was, even though I am completely clean, verse 10, even though I've been justified, even though I'm new in Christ, accepted by God, There are sins in my life. They do not undo my justification. They don't undo my being completely clean. They don't undo my status as a child of the living God. They don't take away eternal life. But they've got to be dealt with, Peter. Let me deal with them If you have the mindset, Peter, and you keep on having it that you don't need daily applications of my once-for-all cleansing, you're not mine. How are you doing? Are Are you like those folks? I mean, there must have been people in 1 John who said, I don't have any sin because I've been born again, and those who are born again don't sin. 1 John 3, 9, it says so. There was a perfectionist crowd in 1 John, and John had to go after them. We have sinned. You've sinned today. You sinned today. Now, if, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the second level point that I'm getting at. See, the first level was to be fit, to be a representative of Jesus you will be one who gladly goes low in the service of others. Now, here's here's the second level meaning of this text. To be fit to represent Jesus, you need to go low not only because He gave you an example, not only because it is the life of deepest blessedness and joy, but because you are clean. And you have learned from this story and from First 1 John 1-9 how to deal with your ongoing sinfulness. I can't have representatives of me out there who don't know how to deal with their own sinfulness or who don't think they have any. I can't. I can't take, I can't have representatives out there doing the perfectionist thing or the legal thing. I've got to have representatives out there, Peter, who know what it is to be totally clean and in need of cleansing. So, there's more than one level going on here. Let me let me close like this. I would uh, want to exhort all of you as those who have incredibly high standing in this world. And you, 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 you may feel like, I have no standing in this world. I just lost my job. I'm on the dole. I don't. You may feel that way. No, that's not true. You, Christian, are foreknown before the foundation of the world, predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, called out of darkness into his marvelous light, justified before him so that there is no uncleanness in you in his sight, And your glorification at the end where you will shine like the sun in the kingdom of your father is so sure, Paul says, it's virtually done. You are glorified. You are a child of God. And you are called to represent him in some measure, if not a vocational minister. You are a minister. All Christians are ministers. All Christians represent Jesus let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and as a high standing human being I summon you go low go low because Jesus went low go low because it's the happiest way to live on the planet if painful And go low because you are clean. You are completely clean. You are the only people on the planet who have the gospel in you making you totally clean and understanding how to deal with sinfulness in your life. With daily confession and daily applications of the once for all work of Jesus in your life. You are to go low for those three reasons. So I close with specific exhortations and then we'll be done. Pastors, it's good that I start with myself and the other pastors, go low. Elders, go low. Heads of households, go low. Small group leaders, go low. Presidents of companies, owners, supervisors, managers go low mom and dad go low big brothers and sisters eight-year-old brothers and sisters go low a students go low good athletes go low Pretty teenage girls. Go low for Jesus. Serve Jesus. It's a dangerous word to use there. so I'm pausing to say, humble yourself, pretty teenage girl. You don't want to be low like the world. You want to be low like Jesus. I'm going to use my standing to go and serve people. every christian go low to represent the savior to know his joy and because you are completely clean let's pray so father in heaven i pray now that the the gospel of being right with God by faith alone and being completely clean because we've been bathed once for all by union with Christ and the blood of Jesus covering us completely, that this would so grip us that our ongoing stumblings, our ongoing sinfulness would not undo us or make us say to Jesus, you're not going to wash me. Oh, come, Jesus, daily, apply your blood. Apply 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Cleanse out the old leaven, for you really are unleavened. Let Jesus wash our feet. Lord Jesus, let him wash our feet. May we be so humbled that our feet are ever being presented to Jesus for his ongoing cleansing. Make us suitable representatives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.